Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. On the next Thriller Zone, New York Times bestselling author T.J. Newman and her new action thriller, Drowning, The Rescue of Flight 1421. Hello and welcome to the Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. And on today's show, we have a very, very special guest. She is, you could call her Hollywood's latest darling. You could call her the talk of the town. And what you really should be calling her, one of the best action thriller writers in the world today. And as I promise you, this is your front row seat. Guess who? T.J. Newman, and the book is Drowning. This book is amazing. Easily one of the best books I've read this year, which we're going to dive into and talk about from front to back during the show. But I'll tell you. Every once in a while, you get a little bit extra excited and just a wee bit nervous because she's a rock star. (laughs) But man, is she delightful. So without any further ado, please welcome T.J. Newman. T.J. Newman, author of Drowning, is with us. And um, there's T.J., first of all, welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. It is so exciting. Truly my pleasure. I really am, am grateful to be on. Thank you. We're recording this on a weekend. It's going to drop on Monday, just just days before, like maybe, what, two weeks before the book actually drops. So I know that you're deluged, fancy yeah. word for drowned in many, many uh, responsibilities. So thank you. If it drops on the 15th, that'll be 15 days to publication. Not like I'm counting or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know you got it in hours. Um there are three words that I overuse, and I'm going to say them right now. One's, uh, one's kind of grandiose and overused. The uh, other's uh, seriously overused, and the third one is a bad word, but I'm going to use them anyway. Uh, epic, wow, and f- I mean, I'm just going to say that because this was a wow, and it was epic, and uh, I exclaimed that third word a couple of times because I thought just when I thought, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Tori, TJ. I'm going to, when I, when I read Falling, I, I kept going and I loved that book. I'm like, how is she going to top this? I mean, you know, that's, it's, that's fair for me to say that, to think that, right? I, I asked myself fair the same me. question. So yeah, I think it's a fair question. So then I get this book and I'm not two pages, three pages in. I'm like, oh, well, she did. She topped it. I mean, you topped it. Thank you. And I think I want, let me do this. Can you give me your elevator pitch? I got plenty to say, but I'd love to hear your elevator pitch so that I don't give away anything that I shouldn't. And I want to be a good boy. So I'll that is, that is a good point. You know, it's, it's tricky um, with both of my books. It's kind of like I can get through like about the first couple pages. And then after that, it's kind of like, I'm moving into spoiler territory pretty fast here. So, yes, I did have to sort of hone, like, what is, you know, the setup? What is the pitch? So um, for for this book, the, the elevator pitch is um, Drowning, tells the story of the rescue of Flight 1421, a flight from Honolulu to San Francisco that crashes into the ocean six minutes after takeoff. The passengers immediately evacuate until an explosion forces those who didn't get out in time to close the doors. But it's too late. The plane floods and sinks with 12 people trapped inside, including a father and his 11-year-old daughter. Now, their only hope of survival lies with an elite rescue team on the surface led by her mother and his soon-to-be ex-wife. Page two. (laughs) (laughs) I can say, uh, first of all, uh, let me let me back up a second. That was perfect, by the way. That was perfect because I, yeah, you you get 
I get caught up in the excitement that I'll, when I'm telling my friends about it and I'm, I'm telling everyone to read this, I'm like, when I tell them, I'm like, uh, okay, oh, I don't want to say that because that's, that's such a, okay. And, you know, and you catch yourself. So I'm going to replay this, record it, and put it in my phone so later when I go to do a pitch, I, I, I'm dialed in. So thank you for that. <laughs> but here's what I love, and I, and I think I put this in a Twitter post. It's got thrills, danger, uh, ticking clock, people in peril. Young and old represented. I love that, that dichotomy. Uh, a distraught couple, a divorcing couple, as you mentioned, a plane, a crash, a, 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 a perilous storm, technical difficulty. I mean, it's literally dun 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 But here's my favorite part of all, and this, this is where your magic really shines. And you said this just before we went to break. It's the heartbeat at the center of it all that makes the book so powerful. Thank you for that. And, and you know, my books place ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances on the worst day of their lives. And what's so fascinating about a situation like that is, yes, the circumstances are fascinating, you know, plane crash, a ditching, uh, the aviation term for an emergency landing on water, ditching, um, you know, being underwater, like the whole circumstances of it are spectacular. But at the end of the day, these are ordinary people facing their mortality. And I don't care what the circumstances are, when you're in that moment, you're going through your life going, what are my regrets? What are my successes? What am I leaving on the field? Like you, you, these characters have lives that may be about to end. And that's what you focus on. You know, you read it with anybody with a, with a, you know, near death experience, your life flashes before your eyes. The circumstances of that got you to that moment only get you so far. You have to be rooted in, well, what is this? What is this person potentially leaving behind? What is this person leaving unsaid? What yeah. is this person, what is their hopes and dreams that might not be realized? And that's when it gets really interesting. That's when the stakes become higher. And it's crazy to think that, you know, well, how much higher could the stakes get than, than you know, a big explosion? Well, I'll tell you, it's it's a woman who never got the opportunity to tell the love of her life that he was the love of her life. Like that's how, that's how to me, how you up the ante. And I knew when I started writing my second book that I had to up the ante. I knew it had to be bigger. I didn't know what I was gonna write, but I knew without a doubt in every single regard, it had to be bigger. And, and the emotional stakes of this book, um, are, are, are a way in which I thought was the most effective way to truly up the ante. Well, damn girl, I got a lump in my throat at least twice. My palms were literally sweating. And matter of fact, I, I don't know. No, I can say it because I, I was curious. I went back and I counted and I actually wrote this down. So bear with me, TJ. I counted how many books I've read in this podcast. We've debuted the June of 21. This is about you, not me, honey. So 21 so far this year, not including like my own pleasure and nonfiction, 22, 75 titles, and then 30 uh, when we started the show. So that totals 160 books I've read for this podcast. This is the first book in 126 books. So roughly 130 episodes that I teared up at a thriller. You're, you're making my day. You're making me so, so happy. Thank you. That is no BS. I tell it like it is. And I, and, and I wanted to make sure when Tammy, I was sitting out the backyard when I finished it, which is the photograph that took place on my Twitter feed. And I'm like, I got to capture this moment right now, as corny as that may sound, because I'm like, this is going to be one of those turning points for me. And I captured it, and Tammy came out. She goes, what's up? And I said, I just finished. She goes, how'd you like it? I'm like, uh, good news, bad news. 
Good news, I absolutely loved it. I cannot believe it. I, it's the fastest book I've ever read. I think I read it in two sittings. She goes, what's the bad news? I said, well, you're going to read it, and it involves two of our worst fears. My worst fear and her worst fear. My worst fear, not flying. My okay. worst fear is drowning. I've, I've almost drowned twice. Her worst fear is claustrophobia. Uh. So when you're getting down the story and the water is rising, I'm like, babe, you're going to need to... Take a Xanax. <laughs> you know, I, I sort of anticipated that. And I knew, um, obviously, you know, it, it's a fine line, right? Because you want to deal in the extreme emotions. And, and the fear of those things is a very extreme emotion for all of us. But no one's going to want to read that if it, for 300 pages. You're not going to want to sit in that feeling for 300 pages. So it was important to me to do sort of the intercutting between the plane and the world on the plane, you know, the passengers that are trapped with water rising and air shrinking, you know, at the bottom of the ocean, countering that by intercutting to the surface, which is, you know, a, a fully, you're open, you're out, you're, you're on the surface. So intercutting between those two worlds, I knew that that was an important thing to keep the reader feeling, you know, just right on that edge of where that, that tension is, is almost too much. And then you get a chance to breathe. Okay, we're back. We're back up on the surface. We're, we're we got the waves. The 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 sea. It's set in Hawaii, so you know it's a beautiful circumstances. So I I, I tried as best I could to to give the reader a, a break. Uh, mission accomplished. And by the way, you have one line. I don't know. I don't think it's actually a pitch on your book, but I've read it somewhere, TJ. And it's this line: "There's not much time. There's even less air." And, you know, that's the villain of the story. The villain of the story is time and air. And and I was fascinated, fascinated by that. This idea of, like, all of the people in the circumstances, even though we do have conflict of, you know, who's who's got the best idea of how to, to make this happen. You know, there's always going to be human conflict. But ultimately, they're fighting for the same thing. Everyone in that plane and everyone topside is fighting for the exact same thing, which is every person on that plane to survive. And the thing that they are up against is time and air. Yeah. I could continue to geek out, but I, I want to be super respectful of your time. Um, I, I, geez, I, on our next meeting, when you come around with third book, uh, I'm going to make sure you and I sit down in the same room because I've, I, this is where the show is going to start going, just sitting down across from each other because, girlfriend, you and I can go on for hours. Okay, is that fair? Can we get a virtual shake on that? Absolutely. Virtual, virtual shake on that. <laughs> okay. All right. So here, here's something. And, and, and I want to I want to I want to do two things. I want to do a little bit more heart action and I want to do a little bit of business. And uh, as we, you know, make our way toward wrapping up. Let's do the hard action first because that's really my favorite. Yeah, business is good and money is great and I can't wait to make some someday and you're making it and we're all hoo-hoo and that's great. But here's my thing. I love this. And I thought, okay, I want to ask TJ this one question. Uh, Two-part question. One is um, which characters are most like you? And I picked out three specifically. So you got Chris, the wife and potential, uh, the here in my opinion, the hero of the story. So you got Chris. You got Kit, the pilot, um, also another hero of the story. And then you got Shannon, the daughter, when in, in my heart is a little bit of a hero of the story, especially some of the lines she delivers at the end. And you're just like, Whoa. so which one are you most like? Chris. Yeah. Chris. Definitely. Yeah. Um, definitely Chris. Um, I love all the characters that you just listed. And that's so interesting to think Shannon, you know, the 11 year old daughter, I actually hadn't thought about that. Um, but I guess there's probably a lot of me in Shannon too, in that, you know, I'm not a mother, but I am a daughter. And so um, there's probably a lot of me in that perspective. You know, there's two, Shannon had a sister, I had, I have a sister. Um, so there's probably actually a lot more of Shannon in me that I, than I, then I realize as well. But if I had to, if I had to choose, it would be, it would be Chris. I really deeply identified uh, with her um, primal 
mama bear uh, maternal instinct of protecting my child at all costs. I have two young nephews and everything shifted once they were born and once they were in our, yeah. in our lives. And, um, that, yeah. that protective energy of, I will not stop at anything to make sure you are okay. That is one of the strongest forces on the planet, I think. And it was, yeah. um, it was fun to, to try to write that into this, this character, Chris, um, who will stop at nothing to, to protect her daughter and to save her daughter and to advocate for her daughter when she can't physically be there. Um, that's, that's, that's my mom. That's yeah. my sister. That's, um, that's what I've always seen and been modeled as what love and, and that sort of protective parental love is. And I think I, um, channeled that feeling, gosh, I'm getting emotional just even thinking about this. I've never really been asked that question or deep dive this much. Um, but channeling that sort of deeply protective energy into that character was really, um, cathartic. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad we, I'm glad we can deep dive, as you said, because here's the thing, you know, anybody can ask the same standard questions, but I love to just really get into the heart of the matter. And, and when I was thinking about you as the author, if, if, you know, we're told as writers, write what you know. And sometimes I vacillate on that, TJ. I sit on the, I sit on the fence, go, yeah, write what you know, but we're writers. So that's what our experience of imagination does but people really do like to know when you have vested interest in it and you've actually lived it so as a flight attendant you you make that check mark as chris uh, i i don't believe you're married but you uh know what that is you can imagine what that is like then you have kit the pilot so again it's back to flight attendant and then shannon the daughter and you are a daughter so you just checked all three of those right away and i thought i just really that's why I asked that question. I'm like, you know, I bet you she is just pulling different parts of herself into the story, which is why it was so robust and heartfelt. Thank you. You know, it's it's that that turn of phrase, you know, write what you know, I think is both absolute fact and also can be a hindrance. I think, you know, to me, the, the better thing is write the story only you can tell which is what is your personal experience and your, your unique experience in this world, which is unique from any other person on this planet. What is the story that you can tell better than anybody else? That is the story that you should write. And of course that means write what you know, because that is what you know, but it can also be limiting. If you think, look, I'm not, you know, most of this world, is not me. I, d I had to do so much research and figure so much out for this book because that's not my world. I don't know. I know the world of planes. I know that world backwards, but I also know that world of planes when they're up in the air acting as they normally should. I don't know anything about, you know, a plane at the bottom of the ocean, you know, full of water that, you know, if I didn't, I don't know that. So if I only write what I know, I'm not going to be able to write that. So you have to be able to figure out, you know, what it is. And I really do think that the idea is right. You know, your right. What no one else, but you can write. And that's why also as a, as a, as a, as a woman, I'm loving telling these stories because, you know, I just went into this, the way I just talked about maternal instinct, which is the same thing as paternal instinct. There's, there's, you know, I, I write from my experience as a woman, but I'm sure any father out there listening is going, I know exactly what you mean. And I feel the same thing as a father. Those feelings are, are universal, but they have a different view from whatever your personal perspective is. And that's why I'm, I'm loving bringing, you know, a, a more female lens to this thriller action thriller world yeah oh god and i'm gonna go back to that phrase about blowing blowing it off the doors because uh you know i've i think about a back back to go back to the people who've been on the show i'm thinking about in the past two years we've had military thrillers plenty of psychological thrillers political thrillers 
even sci-fi thrillers. I'm looking for some romance thrillers. I haven't seen that quite yet. But then you blast the doors wide open um, to not to a new chapter in action thrillers, and uh, I think that is maybe my favorite part of the story. And I know there's a bunch of my bros going. Uh, come on now, we're representing. But I'm like, you know, yeah, but I like the fact that a, a woman is in here kicking the door down and um, in a predominantly male-oriented ge- uh, genre, so um, girl power. Um, and I have to say, one of the one of my um, favorite reactions that I get to the book that I actually get all the time is the father-in-law stamp of approval. I've had so many people write me and say, my father-in-law loved Falling. My father-in-law loved this, and I always feel like that's such a such a nice stamp of approval. Um, and I get that all the time. It's it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I don't know why this little point uh, pops up in my head, but I don't feel bad asking you uh, because I just put myself out there. Flight fourteen twenty one. I've got this thing about numbers. Certain numbers stick in my head forever, and I will never forget them. And then I, I'm one of those guys that is always counting numbers. Like if I see an address, I, I try to see if the number of the house is my prime number, which is a whole other discussion. But I'm like, all right, what what significant significance did she have to fourteen twenty one? There has to be one. Was there? Okay, so the two two. Two parts to that answer. The no. The answer is no. I didn't. I literally was just sort of like when I was writing, I think it was, you know, it just came it's like it's like naming a character. What sounds good and feels yes. good in your mouth when you're when you're naming a character. And the flight is essentially a character. So it just kind of came to me, 1421. Rolls off the tongue, it sounds nice. It's also, you know, seven, fourteen, twenty-one, twenty-eight, you know, it just fourteen twenty-one. It just came to my mind and was just that. That's it, full stop, that is the full answer. Cut to a couple days ago, when after the the deadline Hollywood letter, um, a a reader reached out and and was talking about what the piece meant to them and how much it meant. And then they said, by the way, side note, I really love that 1421 is the number ones surrounding the number 42, which was your one and only yes from your, when you were seeking an agent rejection. And when I tell you my mind was like, like that was not on purpose, but yeah, I guess it is. It's number 42 surrounded by a couple of ones. It just, that, that was not intentional by, by any means, but yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of synchronicity and serendipity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once you get tuned into the frequency of serendipity and uh, attention, intention and attention and law of intention and all that, and you and I, again, I think we could probably carve out a couple of hours on that. But if you follow that and believe in that, I have a very strong feeling, and I, I am going to tell you this story sometime, not right now, because it's all about you, girl. But it is a power in the universe that is existing, I believe, parallel to us, simultaneously, as though it's right here. And if you tap into it, which I can, you can, Magic starts to, there are veils that start to separate and you start seeing things in a different way and your mind will be blown. I agree. I'm right there with you. And this whole journey seems to be... Is that esoteric enough? Yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you. But, you know, to to add to that also, you know, um, that, you know, brown envelope that I sent with my submission to the Story Factory, the person that checks the mail was out sick that day. Shane doesn't open the mail. He should not have opened that envelope. But the person who does open the envelopes was out sick, which is the only reason why Shane opened that envelope and saw my submission. <laughs> I'm telling you, I know, I just know. Saying. Just saying, just saying, universe. I'm just telling you what the, the way it seems to be to me. You know what I'm saying here? Huh? Yeah. 
And speaking of Shane, let's give a little uh, let's give a little gol- golf clap love to uh, Shane Salerno of the Story Factory for turning your life upside down, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. To say the least. And and while we're on this, because I want to make sure I do this, I want to do it justice. I don't want to sit here and read all the bullet points, but there was a bidding war. This is the other half of the thing that I mentioned a second ago that I got all wrapped up in all the touchy-feely stuff. But the business side of things, let's talk, you know, you know, it ain't called show friends. It's called show business. So let's talk about that for a second. This bidding war that happened. I have not, you know, been in a, a lot of bidding wars, but I've never seen anything like it. I, I don't, it makes me feel better in how much I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what the heck was that? How, I mean, it was, it was like nothing I've ever experienced. And it, yeah, it was just, you know, a full week straight of calls and emails and, 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 and talking to Academy Award winners and 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 hearing these insane things like you know Shane was on the phone you know literally twenty four hours a day taking calls from people and and you know he would call me for thirty seconds and only you know be able to update me for thirty seconds before you know I'd hear the phone ring in the background and he'd have to go answer another but he would like call and say things like you know okay yeah I'll call you oh by the way. Um, Steven Spielberg has the book. He's reading it. I have a call with him tomorrow morning. Okay, I gotta go. Bye. And I'd just be standing there with, like, you know, the phone to my ear, like, sorry, what did you just say? Like, you know, surely you can't be talking about that Steven Spielberg. There's, there must be two. One's in, like, Omaha or something. Like, it's that guy, you know. (laughs) Like, there's no way that the, the 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 man who you know nurtured and and inspired my entire creative experience is reading a story that I wrote. Like, there's no. How does your brain comprehend that? How how do you no. even how do you even think about what that means? It was it was a surreal surreal experience. And speaking of surreal, I love a little note I read somewhere, and you said, Shane was giving you an update, and he had said something like, okay, we're at 1.5, and you went, 1.5, what? I What? What is that? <laughs> That's when we were doing Falling, the film deal for Falling, which was like, I am, I, I, you know, I was so new to everything. I knew yeah. nothing. Like, the book hadn't come out, everything, everything was brand new to me. I, you know, I, did, I had no clue what was going on, so I was... Shane handled the brunt of um, the the inner workings of of that deal negotiation, and yes, he called me and said, you know, we're at, we're in a bidding war, we're at one point five, and I I did not know what he meant. I said, well, one point five, what? Like I did not understand what he meant. He's like, yeah. dollars, money, yeah, one point five million. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like I just I couldn't I no framework for yeah. what was what was happening and on this one what did the players were let's see it was spielberg and nicole kidman and uh, Damien just, Chazelle, uh alfonso coran m night Shyamalan. i mean it was just like the names all the studios you know paramount warner brothers legendary universal apple i mean it was just it was you know i've been on a zoom call now with with Oscar winners, you know, and I'm hearing yeah. these brilliant creative minds pitch their ideas of the best way to tell this story that I know backwards, right? Like I know this story intimately. Yeah. I've told this story the best way that I know how, and now I'm on these calls with these with these creative powerhouses who are saying we see it like this, and it's like oh, that's a great idea. That's incredible. Like it was a really fascinating and humbling creative experience to see just all these different interpretations of what a story could be. It was it was so humbling and so so inspiring and and yeah, to be on a Zoom call, to be talking like you and I are talking right now to Nicole Kidman was I mean what, and that was another surreal moment too, because like Shane calls again. There was like you know we 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 would be able to talk for like you know thirty seconds, and he'd just give me an update. And I didn't leave my house for a week. I didn't leave my house. I just stayed in my house. I didn't do anything but sit here ready to go, you know, to answer an email or to take a call or whatever. I just couldn't leave, right? 
And so at one point he's like, okay, we're going to be getting on Zoom calls probably and, you know, probably maybe later today, probably tomorrow. But just so you know, you're going to be on some Zoom calls, you know, with with these people. And I'm like, okay, all right, sounds good. So then he calls back like shortly after that. And he's like, actually, in about 15 minutes, we may be on a call with Nicole Kidman. So get ready. And then hangs up. I've got to wash my hair. Where's exactly, <laughs> exactly. That was my first thought, which is like, I've got 15 minutes to get set up, to get ready, to prep and everything. And the first thought that comes to my mind is, I've got to wash my hair. I can't mean to pull Kidman with, with dirty hair. Like I, I got to wash my hair. And it's, it's, that's where I was at. Like I was, it was so surreal that I went to completely illogical, irrational moments of, of just, yeah, it was it was it was a wild experience. I'm supremely excited for you. You 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 wanted this. You worked hard. You put in the time. You want it. You got it. I love it. Number two, I'm so grateful that you and Shane were able to put this together so you could be on a nice little podcast as we continue to try to blow our own doors off the podcast world. And number three, I am glad that I get to see you here and now because I know that this magical time that's happening right now will never happen again. It might happen again with numbers and people and super Oscar winning stars and the details may be ever so similar, but the magic of this moment and the feelings that you have inside you right now, all elevated in a supreme way will never happen quite this way again. And that I'm so grateful to be here on a front row seat watching. Thank you so much for, for all of that. I do have to say though, just to throw a caveat in there, I actually hope that those feelings never go away. When I was starting to write Drowning, in my head I was, I was thinking, I don't know how I can top Falling. Falling was my first, and those characters, that book was so intimately me. And the way that I felt about those characters and that world, I when I started writing Drowning, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't know, I didn't think I'd be able to top it. I didn't think I'd be able to replicate that feeling. And I did. I, I... Yeah fell in love with these characters in Drowning and with this world and with this story. I rooted for those characters so hard. The number of boxes of tissues that I went through while, you know, crafting their journey of the story, I don't even know what that tally is. I love that this journey continues to surprise me and continues to, to bring emotions and experiences and feelings that I didn't think could happen again or could happen in a different way. So I'm going to put it out there actually though, that, you know, the next time we talk, it is going to be different and unique and something still this magical. And I think that, as I said, sort of at the top, like this is who I am. I'm a storyteller. This is, this is what I was born to do. And I'm really not sure that that feeling of the magic of that, the magic of writing a story in a book and having a reader read it and see the same thing that I'm seeing and have that experience together, that is magic. That is magic. And I don't know that that feeling is ever going to go away. Yeah. And just for clarification, I, I, I'm speaking specifically to that initial, that very first, you know, you see your very first sunrise or sunset or snow or whatever. It's that magic. But no, I think if you have this thing burning inside of you, it's a pilot light that never goes out. So it's just a different flavor of magic. How about that? There you go. Yeah, I like that. All right, as we start to wrap, there's two things we usually wrap the show with because uh, I, I realize I've been keeping you a good little amount of time and I said I could keep, I, I could be talking all day long, but <clears throat> there's two things I want to do. One is I always close the show with your best piece of writing advice. And we've touched on a little bit, but I think I'd like to dial it in 
more specifically. And if you have an extra 93 seconds, I'd like to play a little rapid fire questions. It's a fun little silly game. If you've ever heard the show before, we do it at the end and some, and it's just, it's brainless fun. You, yeah. You still in? Sounds great. Okay. So let's start with best piece of writing advice. This can be, you know, a lot of these listeners are first time listeners. Some of them are first time writers. Some of them are seasoned writers, but they love this part of the show where they get to find out firsthand front row seat. What does TJ Newman have to say to me as a writer, as I pursue this career? To me, the same, the, to me, the best piece of advice that I can give both in the, the, craft of writing and also in the business side of writing is very simple and that's keep going that's it and and i mean that from the craft perspective of you know falling i wrote over 30 drafts of you know drowning wasn't quite that many but like it was relentless i refused to stop working on those stories until I knew I was telling the story that needed to be told. And that doesn't happen fast, at least not for me. That, that, that takes time and energy and attention. And every, every page that you're writing, every scene that you're writing, every conversation that you're writing, every single sentence you have to look at and go, is this the best way to tell this moment? Is this the best way to tell this scene? And it goes from, you know, the entire story down to a single interaction. You have to have that focus of, am I doing this the best that I can? And so keep going, keep working on it, you know, and, and you'll find, you know, I feel like that can easily get into the world of, you know, like, perfectionism and you're not willing to ever because like I, I'm sure I could pick up drowning right now and and with a red pen and make some corrections so at a certain point you know you do have to step back but you'll know when you hit it you'll know when you hit the point of okay this is it I've got the story I this is the story that needs to be told but in my experience that only comes after you've really spent the time pounding on your craft and figuring out what the story actually is. And I would say the same thing from the business aspect of it. You know, I, those 41 rejections, I felt every single one of them and I wanted to quit and I wanted to give up and I wanted to believe what those 41 rejections were telling me, which was that I should give up. Clearly, clearly I wasn't good enough. That's what those rejections were telling me. And I wanted to listen to it, but I didn't, I didn't. And the only reason I'm sitting here now is because I didn't listen. I did not let that voice win. And those voices are going to be everywhere. And I'll tell you, once, even once you hit it, once you get your success, those voices don't stop. They're still there. I contended with them while riding drowning. So you have to figure out a way to keep going, whatever that looks like for you. For me, it was, you know, when I couldn't, do it on my own, I leaned on my family. I leaned on my friends who, who I knew supported me and, and let them remind me, keep going. You got this. You can do this. You know you can. You knew it was going to be hard. You knew it was going to be hard. So don't act surprised now. Keep going. That's it. <laughs> that is so superb, TJ. Thank you. Um, so good on so many fronts. And uh, I mean, yeah, quitting's easy. Back to this deadline article, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this in the notes on the bottom of the show. Uh, I'm not going to belabor it much more, but you, uh, one of my number, number four for me was right on what you just said. You said, believe in yourself and what you created. But the next line is what I think about my wife constantly. Find a partner who believes in you and don't stop until you get everything you've ever wanted. And they feel the same. And that's what I feel about my wife. And she's just always there. You know, those moments when you're like, you're on the 10th or 20th draft and you're like, maybe this just sucks. And she goes, mm-mm. No, keep going. And I love that. And then one of my, and then the closing thing was, and, and this is what you're doing now is that when you finally get your break and you, you wrap your story with this, make sure you tell others how you did it and encourage them along the way. You know, the whole thing about 
tide lifting all boats. And uh, I think that's it's just fantastic advice. Thank you. And it's it's I hope people hear it and and understand it and and believe it. It's like, you know, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody in publishing. I didn't know anybody in film. I don't, you know, I I don't have, you know, a family name. I don't, you know, I don't come from any reason that, you know, someone should give me a chance. I don't have a platform. I didn't study writing. I don't have a you know, I didn't get a MFA in creative writing. I got none of that. And it's easy to believe that you have to have those things in order to get what you want, but I'm here to show you that you 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 don't. That's that's not true. It can be done. So so do it. Keep going. Keep going. Believe in yeah. what you're doing and keep going. All right, little uh, this little sounder means it's time for rapid fire questions. Very easy. First one, it's a layup. Pen or keyboard? Uh, first book, pen, I wrote by hand in uh, the forward galley and penned all of much much of falling uh, by hand in in the forward galley on red eyes while the passengers slept. Uh, for yeah. drowning, I I keyboard keyboard for drowning. That being said, I outlined oh extensively for drowning. I was a total pantser. By the way, do I have to wrap this up in 90 seconds, all my answers, too? No. All right. There's no time limit whatsoever. I do that because I'm afraid that you're like, Dave, come on, I got I got bigger people on the line. <laughs> <laughs> um, with um, with falling, you know, I wrote it by hand and I pants the whole thing. You know, as, as, as writers, you know, there's pantsers and plotters, the people who just seated their pants, sit down and come up with the story as it comes. And then the plotters who, you know, figure out ahead of time what it looks like, what it is, they outline, they know exactly what they're writing when they sit down. With falling, I was a pantser. Yeah. And with drowning, I was a plotter. I outlined mm. extensively for drowning. I think because with falling, you know, like I said, there were 30 some drafts and it took me forever. And figuring out a plot centered uh, story with a, a million moving parts on the seat of your pants is real difficult and not very um, efficient. So with drowning, I said, yeah, okay, yeah. I need to figure out what I'm writing before I write it. And I outlined very thoroughly and knew exactly what I was writing when I sat down to write. Now it changes, of course, in the editing process when you figure out like, okay, once you've got the full story, now it's, okay, now how do I tell it better? And then of course everything changes after that, you know, in the massive editing process. But the creation process for both books was totally, totally different. Number two, silent solitude or crowded cafe? Silent solitude, yep. I'm I'm like a cat with a ball of yarn when I get around, you know, other shiny objects and things going on. And my brain is, you know, I'm working on a story over here, but I'm seeing this couple over here have a fight and I'm no longer writing the story I'm writing. I'm, I'm watching them and writing, you know, what's happening in my mind for their stories. So I'm a silent solitude person for, for writing. Okay. <laughs> Number three, what is on your nightstand right now? What are you reading on your downtime? Uh, on my nightstand is a stack of books that, so, so when I read at night, I don't let myself read whatever fiction writing that I'm reading right then or nonfiction, basically anything that's going to make me think too hard because my brain goes and then I don't go to sleep. So on my night, the books on my nightstand, I've got a whole stack of books that are, um, either poetry or, or, you know, Emerson or Seneca or some sort of, you know, esoteric piece that basically puts me in a more relaxed, prepped and ready for sleep uh, state, a Zen-like state, as opposed to, you know, reading whatever thriller I'm reading right then or whatever nonfiction book that I'm reading right then, which is entirely geared for, you know, the cogs in my brain to start, start turning, which means I'm sure. not going to sleep. Yeah. Well, folks, if you have this one on your nightstand, you 
you'll be up all night. All right, number uh, four, you finally get to stop this whirlwind and take a much-needed vacation. Now, here's one I want to know, and this is an old bit from my radio days. What's one book you're going to take with you? One book. What's one drink you're going to enjoy while you're on this little piece of paradise? And what's one playlist that you're listening to while you're relaxing? So a playlist could be a genre. It could be a person. I don't want to get too technical on that. So, again, one book, one drink, one playlist. Music. That's a great question. Um, Thank you. I, mean, I, I guess the question also is where. If I'm if I'm on the beach, it's a margarita. It has to be a margarita. If I'm in a cabin, if I'm in the woods, it's got to be a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. So that's that's mm -hmm. that's my drink. Um, and by the way, that's in one hand, and then the other hand is coffee. I'm always you know got a cup of coffee yeah. and a cocktail at, at like all points in time it's so i think actually i think that's the writer's uniform right is like a cup of each in 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 each hand that's that's just what it is to be to be a writer i'm gonna make a t-shirt with that very thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> you know i just started this book um i'll go with the book that i just started called um okay. book called the white the white road that i just barely cracked into and just started so I'm going to finish that one up. And what was the third okay. part of the question? I'm drinking, I'm reading, I'm And what? what are you going to be listening to? Listening to? What are you going to be listening to? Used to be the days, what's the one CD you would take? And then the other day when I asked somebody that question, much younger than me, I might add, they don't go, Don't tell me the they CD didn't know what a CD was. Yeah, don't tell me they didn't know what a they, CD they, was. They didn't know what a CD was. I'm like a round disc, shiny, that you played me. They're like, what? I'm like, That's, okay, I'm not that old. TJ, I am not that old. That's hey, you know what you want to know something? <laughs> I actually figured out recently how to burn a CD. I actually have the capacity to uh -huh. burn CDs, and I'm burning mixed CDs now. Look at that! I'm I am I don't just it it is possible. It, it takes quite a few workarounds, but it is possible to still burn CDs in this in this day and age. And I like making. Um, look, I grew up in the era of you know burn CDs and, and mixtapes and, and all that. So I'm the girl also who still orders all my favorite movies on DVDs. I, I order DVDs all the time. Um, so I am definitely not the person who doesn't know what a CD is. But what I'm listening to, no. that's again gonna depend on location. If I'm in the woods, it's gonna be it's gonna be folk. It's gonna be a lot of acoustic guitar. It's gonna be, you know, Paul Simon is my favorite artist of all time. I'm a huge fan he's got a new album coming out actually uh next week i think um so yeah that's nice. what i'm listening to if i'm in the woods and if i'm on the beach it's probably gonna be you know some some beach beach tunes there's a there's a group called uh hapa they're a hawaiian uh like classical hawaiian music band hapa and i'm completely obsessed with them and anytime i go to hawaii they're all i listen to hapa they're great h-a-p-a and i actually listened to them quite a bit as i was writing drowning because it takes place in hawaii so that was sort of you know especially there's one yeah. there's one chapter um that that takes place in like the foothills of the mountains and it takes place in the the, the central character's home um and so i sort of wanted that hawaiian feel to it so i listened to that quite a bit to get me in the mood for that. And with this grand finale, Tammy and I, Tammy, my wife, you'd love to meet her, invited you and a friend to join us for dinner uh, to celebrate your recent movie deals. We do this a lot with our guests uh, on the show. We'd love to have you bring actually two people to round out the evening. So it'll be Tammy and I and you and two people making five. See how I did that? So that friend can be, uh, it can be a friend, it can be a significant other, and then the remaining person can be someone you've always wanted to meet. Living, past, it doesn't matter. So who would those two people that you'd bring with you, who would they be and why? We're celebrating you. It's all about you, girl. Well, if I get sort of like the magic wand question, it's like, no, yes. this isn't about me. I'm bringing back, I'm bringing somebody back, you know, that I want to know, like, you know, the questions to like, I'm bringing back Shakespeare. I want to know, like, now, how'd you do this? Like, literally, how did you do this? Which I feel like that's a, probably a very cliched answer, but that like, that is the answer. You know, it's like, if you could get in the room with anybody, you'd get in the room with the people who do it better than anybody else and just go, okay, you talk here. Yeah, here's, right, here's right. that, here's that margarita. Yeah. You know, I would love to give Shakespeare a margarita and say, 
Now go. No, no go. Me and me and Shakespeare drinking margaritas, him talking, me listening, me taking notes, you know, that is that's that's the dream. Shakespeare, Christopher Marlowe, that would be the interesting thing too. It's like you know, when you go, it's like is it Shakespeare? Or does Christopher Marlowe come out? Who actually wrote it? We'll see. We don't need to oh. go into that conspiracy theory and those historical thoughts, but you know, yeah, that's what I, that's what I want to want to know. Go to go to the best you know that you that you got in that field and and uh, and and ask them how they how they did it. And I guess if I'm bringing someone along that I know, um, if I'm having dinner with Shakespeare, if I'm having margaritas with Shakespeare and my mom's not there, she's gonna be she's gonna be pretty ticked off. She's a huge Shakespeare fan okay. too. We both are, and so she would be. She'd be upset to miss um, that masterclass. So I'm having margaritas with with you and Tammy and my mom and and Billy Shakes, and it's gonna be a great time. Oh my God, I love it. Oh, I wish I had the magic wand because I would certainly wave it and get that thing done, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this has been such good fun, such fun. Thank you so much for having me on. This really has been a real a real treat. Oh, man. Well, the book, folks, is drowning, in case you haven't figured that out by now. You're going to pick it up. It drops on the 30th. You're going to read this thing. Your life will be better for it. If you'd like to learn more, go to tjnewmanauthor.com. It's a stunning website. So um, you can also follow her on Twitter and Instagram as I do. We're big followers of one another. We support each other because that's what writing community does, doesn't it, TJ? Absolutely. That's it, it, you said it before in a rising, what is that? In a rising tide, all boats rise, something like that. Something like that. But again, I know you're pressed for time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Thriller Zone is a better place because of you. Thank you so much for having me on. Drowning by T.J. Newman. Don Winslow on the cover says, reads like Apollo 13 underwater. An amazing, fast read. Thank you again, T.J. Newman, for joining us on the show. You made my whole week. And as you know, this show is uh, all about you folks, all about highlighting the best writers in the world. And if you find yourself uh, among those, you've got a brand new book getting ready to release, do yourself a favor. Just reach out to me. You know where I am. Website, thethrillerzone.com. The email, thethrillerzone at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, again, at thethrillerzone. But, you know, I love to have the stars on. I also love to have the up-and-comers. It's all about story, all about getting the word out. And as we try to bring you the best show we possibly can, and I love my job, and I hope it shows. So if you like what you see, do me a favor, and it won't take you but a second. Leave us a review anywhere you watch your podcast. Watch or listen. Even better, maybe? Have you been to YouTube? Have you subscribed? We're at YouTube.com. Guess what? The Thriller Zone. Pretty excited about Wednesday show. Two shows in one week. Coming up on Wednesday, Chris Haughty. And the devil you know. Now, this is going to be our very first face-to-face -face Thriller Zone podcast. I traveled up to Glendale, and we sat down face-to-face. -face. It was so much fun. And as you heard me say with TJ, TJ and I are already planning for next book coming out next year. So we can do sit down and do a face-to-face, because -face, this is going to be the future of the Thriller Zone. The Zoom world, I'm using that generically, has been good to us, but I really love sitting down face-to-face -face because it's just fun. One other little reminder, are you going to BoucherCon? Yeah, that's uh, end of August, 1st of September. The Thriller Zone is gonna be there. We are working on the details right now, so we're gonna be interviewing the hottest, best, biggest authors in the world today. So if you're planning to attend, make sure you stop by the Thriller Zone studios. I'll see you next time for another edition of the Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.